I'm Amanda Leitner, and welcome to Rochester Rising, where we amplify stories of Rochester entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode 228 of the podcast. Welcome to Rochester Rising, where we tell the stories of all entrepreneurs within the city of Rochester, Minnesota. Thanks for deciding to spend some of your time with us today, and we hope that you take at least one thing away from the conversation today that you can apply to what you are building, whether it's here in Rochester, Minnesota, or outside of our city limits. Rochester Rising is part of the nonprofit Collider. Collider is a Rochester, Minnesota-based organization that activates, connects, and empowers entrepreneurs within our city. You can learn more about Collider and some of our upcoming events in education at collider.mn. Here at Rochester Rising, we put out a new podcast each Wednesday telling the story of a different entrepreneur in the community, understanding more about their business and their passion for entrepreneurship. The next day, each Thursday, we follow up with a brief story based on that podcast conversation. We encourage you to check out both. You can find our podcast wherever you prefer to listen into podcast content, although you can find it on our website at rochesterrising.org, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our YouTube channel. And you can find our article stories and many other stories that we've created over the years on our website at rochesterrising.org. Recently, we've also started a virtual tipping jar through the local business for giving. If you listen in frequently, if you feel that this is something that should continue to exist in the community, consider donating to our tip jar. We'd really appreciate it. We have a link to that in our show notes. All right, so today on the podcast, on episode 228, I got to sit down in person with local entrepreneur and artist Stephanie Kuglin. Stephanie is the businesswoman behind Hilltop Clay, which is a pottery studio based in Rochester, Minnesota. On the podcast today, we chat more about Hilltop Clay, Stephanie's entrepreneurial drive, how she connects with her customer base, and much more. So we'll launch right into the podcast with Stephanie Kuglin of Hilltop Clay. Well, Stephanie, thanks so much for taking time, being here in person to chat today on the podcast on a wonderful rainy spring summer day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I appreciate appreciate you coming down here to chat. Sure. So I usually like to start by having the guest talk a little bit about yourself. So can you share a little bit of your background, you know, some hobbies and interests? So basically what makes you, you as a person? Sure. So I grew up in Wisconsin most of the time. Um, Came to Winona State for college, met my husband, we moved to Rochester because he's a nurse at Mayo, so we wanted to be closer to his job. So we moved to Rochester about 12 years ago, Um, bought a house in the 2008 housing market crash. We were lucky enough to sell ours in Winona, and we bought pretty much our dream property out here, and very lucky that it was available at the time. So we have about eight acres. And it's just outside city limits, so we can have uh, pretty much whatever we want out there. So we've taken advantage of that. We've got chickens. We've had chickens for probably nine years now. And we've raised turkeys, ducks. We've even raised a couple of pigs on our property. Big garden. Just a lot of fun kind of country living, but only about 10, 15 minutes from downtown. 
See, that's like my dream. I love that. Like you said, it's so close and it gets like kind of rural and spread out pretty quickly. It does. <laughs> but you're still like eight minutes from yep. 10 minutes from downtown, which is, yeah, that's just awesome. Yes. Ducks, turkeys. <laughs> I've always wanted to have a goat, although I think that's probably a bad we idea. I did try goats. <laughs> How did that go? It was not good enough. They're very naughty. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I've heard. Like they seem <laughs> we to try. Like, I see all these videos on, like, whatever, TikTok and Instagram reels and stuff of goats on top of houses, because they yeah. can just, like, <laughs> yes. climb anything, pretty yep. much. Yep, and we just decided they were not for us. They just wanted to eat the chicken's food all day. Oh, nice. Yeah, so <laughs> I think that's bad for them. So we gave them to someone who now runs a goat grazing business, so they are very happy goats. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. See... That, I feel like, is super underutilized, just the goat grazing. Like, yeah. talk about natural weed control. Yeah, they're really good at it. <laughs> so, did you grow up around animals, or did your husband, or this was just like, yeah, we have property, let's lean into it? I don't know. I feel like I should have always been a farm girl. I know I grew up in town, in apartments, and never really had much space of our own, and so... I was garden though. It was just always something I did, even in college. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted space to do what I wanted to do and try all the things I wanted to try. So we were talking about gardening before we started. What do you have you planted yet? What's in your garden this year? Are you doing it? This Since year we're... is the first year I am not actually doing a vegetable garden in the longest I can even remember. It's just a year that we needed to do less. We needed to do less things so that we could really focus on some of the things that we wanted to do. So otherwise, I usually have everything. And I remember one year we canned 100 cans of tomatoes. <laughs> so we really like the canning. We do bees. We do maple syrup out on our property. So we just really enjoy providing for ourselves. So this is going to be a really odd year for us. <laughs> yeah, you might be bored by the time you get to <laughs> September or October. <laughs> I know. Maybe I'll just buy the canning tomatoes from the farmer's market, and then I'll just do that. There you go. Skip yeah. all the weeding. Yes, the weeding is not is not fun. Um, <laughs> I did try this year for the first time growing um, pumpkins. That's the only thing that I didn't kill Good. was um pumpkin seedlings and gourds okay and then we planted some radishes yeah (laughs) so we'll see but yeah I'm I love tomatoes Mm -hmm. and well herbs those are easy you know those will pop up in like a couple days but yeah so but for for me the hard part is not like over planting (laughs) yeah it is hard because they get so much bigger than you think and you're just like oh there's space yeah they get big and And then you just feel wasteful if you don't have because I don't I don't know how to can I'm sure I could teach myself Mm -hmm. I did do um so jalapenos we love that so I did can those yeah (laughs) probably the same thing but yeah the tomatoes just like don't go overboard because you're gonna have all these tomatoes and like last year I couldn't really bring them anywhere (laughs) no but this year probably could bring them like in here but yeah it's always for me it's like oh you've planted 12 tomatoes and they're all gonna grow (laughs) now what do you do with them (laughs) a lot but yeah (laughs) it is a good summer hobby but I have a feeling you're gonna enjoy not (laughs) having to do all of this I think so yeah (laughs) just give me some more time to relax we're gonna put up a big pool this year so we had one of the smaller ones from Costco, but now my girls have gotten too big and just kind of crowded each other out. Yeah, once you get to the teenager years, you can't have like a little kiddie pool anymore. No, it doesn't work. It's like a bunch of adults in the pool. And, and that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 
Yeah, that sounds like a pretty pretty enjoyable summer for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to talk about hilltop clay. So you know, for people listening who maybe aren't familiar, um, how would you describe hilltop clay to somebody not familiar with it? Um, it's kind of a one woman band. I do everything. I don't really have any help from anybody. So it's designs by me. I do all the work, I resource all the things, and then I figure out where and how to sell it. Um, For the most part, I like to do functional wear that is beautiful so that someone can use it in their everyday lives. Mm -hmm. I think that's really enjoyable. That's what kind of pottery I seek out is for something, usually a mug, so that I can use it every day and just appreciate it and enjoy it. So you do the pottery, the design, painting, and the firing all in your um, studio in your home. Is that right? Yep. So I've just remodeled and got a studio that's separate from our living space finally. So it was kind of taking over my daughter's bedroom, our walkout basement, and I had to move things from here to there to get something to work on and then move it to the other place to do another part of it or work on something else. So being in my own studio is my own space is much nicer. So how big is a kiln? Is that the right yep. term? Okay. A kiln. Well, there's different ways that people pronounce it, but I've always learned it was a kiln. Okay. So um, they come in different sizes. The first one I got was pretty small. Um, I'd say it's, they do it by cubic feet, but okay. I could probably, let's say we'll do it by mugs. I could probably get 30 mugs oh, wow. into the small one. That's pretty big, though, too, I think. It's, it's a decent size, but it's nice because if you're going to do a, bigger bowls, you're only going to get, like, three or four in there. So then I found one, a giant one, in Iowa. So we went and picked it up, and that one was probably four times the size. So that's the one I really utilized when I did the dinnerware line for Fig. So that was nice. So I could fire a lot of stuff all at once. That small one, it would have taken me probably a month of firing to get all it done. And then I raised enough money and bought an uh, upgraded electronic one where it's all touch screen and everything. So that's been nice as well. Yeah, it's nice when you you work your way up to the real nice equipment. Yes, <laughs> it is nice. So do you make most of your pottery, um, I guess, custom order, make it and kind of sell it um, to individuals looking um, for that kind of unique wear or is a lot of it like for specific businesses like you were saying with fig and I believe you make mugs for like trail creek so what's kind of the balance between I'm creating this because I like it and I think people will like it um percent maybe amount for businesses and then you know maybe custom orders or something like that so what what does that kind of look like for you I'd say custom orders tend to be I would say a quarter to a third okay. of my business. So people reaching out saying, I would really like to have this type of thing. Can you do that in this color? A lot of education goes into custom orders first. Like, it's not like paint. It's a chemical reaction in the kiln. I'm not going to get the exact color you're looking for. Or people will see things on Instagram and be like, I want that, but in this color. So that's why that generally works. And I've done the... The fig line, like I did for them, and then like Trail Creek Coffee Roasters, people that want to do uh, wholesale. So I'll create something for them in a certain quantity, and then they'll get it, and then be able to sell it in their own shop. Other than that, 
what really gets me to create is if I plan shows for myself. If I've got a deadline and something to make things for, then I feel more motivated to go and create a bunch of more things. I definitely wanted to talk about that yeah. <laughs> at some point. And I was kind of interested where the name Hilltop Clay We're on comes top from. of a big hill. So okay. <laughs> southeast Rochester, and when you drive up our driveway, it's a quarter mile long, and it's uphill the entire way. So, And then we have a really beautiful view out there. There's only... In our little section, there's only three houses up there. So we're up on a hilltop, and I use clay. <laughs> I feel like you probably need some goat grazing there, too. <laughs> yeah, it probably would be helpful. It's the fencing issue at that point. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. That's true. Yeah, I figured it was something around, yeah, you were on a hill. Or you yep. grew up on a hill or something. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes total, total sense. So... I was interested in kind of your history, your story with art, and then getting into pottery. Was art something you always did, or was there something that triggered it? And then with pottery, how did you originally find that? I've always really liked making things. Um, in art, I do have my bachelor's degree in music, so that's kind of an art in itself. As far as making it to clay, I remember doing it in high school and loving it. And then a huge pause for college and marriage and babies. And once those babies got a little bit older, I started looking for a class. I just wanted to take a class and figure out where I could do it. And the only ones I could find were lacrosse or the Twin Cities. And I didn't want to drive two to three hours for a one-hour class. And then I suddenly found one here in Rochester. I don't know if she had been doing it for a while, but finally just was available to search on Google but the Earthbound Designs with Carrie Shanahan. She does uh, beginning wheel classes, and so I signed up. And then I wasn't very far from my house, and I did that, I think it was October 2016. So I took a six-week class, and then you could join the studio and just come and work and practice during studio hours and pay to have things fired. And then I got antsy and wanted my own play, I mean, my own stuff and my own time and just be able to go downstairs and work on it. So I just started making things and practicing and working on it. Before that, I had done a lot of baking because that was easy to do with little ones at home. Okay. So I worked a lot on that, did a lot of breads, a lot of pastries. It was a lot of fun. That's another art form in itself, too, it I feel like, especially, yeah, the pasty, the pastries, the bread baking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I could see how that all plays together. Yeah, and it's uh, actually kind of a common trajectory. People that work with bread and stuff end up working with clay. It kind of translates pretty well. Yeah. Did you get into the really intricate bread designs and the bread? Uh, I didn't do that. I did some braided breads, but I did do my own croissants like laminated dough with a rolling pin so that's pretty intense yes to get some arm muscles yes <laughs> I tried to make queen amons once and just like the insane amount of butter that yeah. has to go into that and like I had to just stop shaving <laughs> I, I don't remember how much it was I want to say it was like honestly four sticks of butter or something yeah. like that for like a dozen or maybe like a dozen and a half yep it's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of arm, <laughs> yeah. bicep work, and you're just like, this is good enough. But yeah, the, yeah, I could see how that all plays very well together and kind of feeding an artistic 
yeah. um, side that you had. Mm-hmm. So you play music as well then? Yeah. Um, college was interesting with that, the rigors of a music program. It's a lot, and I had to work the whole time as well, so I kind of got burned out with the music part, so taking the break with children and other things was nice. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Not that children is a break, because that's not. (laughs) Right, right, right. So like you said, you took this pottery class, got interested in doing more of it, set yourself up at home to do this. So how did you go, or what was what were the thoughts around, you know, I'm doing this for fun, as a hobby, but then you started to sell them. <laughs> so how did that change happen? What kind of conversations were you having in your head about it, or with other people, if you had those as well with your spouse, or what did that look like for you? Um, I just started making things, and then there were a lot of things in my house, and not a lot of space. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, now what do I do I still wanted to make things and try things and work on it so I just I had always been geared towards doing something and selling it even as a kid like I used to find pretty rocks and then sell them to people or I set up a candy store drawer in my in my room and then sold to the neighborhood kids so it was always something I always tried to do like try to find something and then make money with it I'm not really sure why, but I just built that way. So it wasn't ever like, am I going to sell this? It's just like, when mm-hmm. am I going to try to do this and how? So I did a lot of Google searches about how do you get a sales license and set up a name and what all the things you need to do to establish a business. And then things just started kind of falling into my lap where people would be like, hey, this show is going on. You should apply for this. I'm like, oh, okay, or... I've got this spot in my store. Can you put your pottery here? I guess so. And so it just kind of all kind of came together a lot on its own. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because it's like, I feel like that's so common for a lot of people. Like you realize like a lot of things you were doing, like growing up were so entrepreneurial, but never, (laughs) you never thought about it as that. Like you said, you're selling candy and rocks and stuff. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, yeah. I feel like we're kind of born with some of this stuff. And like you said, you know, don't know why you feel like you have to do it. You just do it. It's just natural for you to, you know, sell these, um, yeah, to find um, things to sell and, you know, things to meet needs for people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we talked a little bit about shows and the importance. uh, We talked a little bit about what importance that was for you and, and Hilltop Clay um, how are you getting your, what has been effective for you to get your products out there to customers? So you said you do wholesale, do you do a lot of online sales or is it mainly kind of shows and, and getting yourself out there for shows? Shows are definitely the best because people want to see them yeah. in person. They like the atmosphere. They want to be able to see the art in person. Um, I first started with Etsy just because it was a very easy thing to do is list it and then people could you know buy it from anywhere um and I know that the Etsy platform has changed a lot mm. in recent years so that's been dif- more difficult it used to be all handmade stuff and now it's a mixture so it's harder sometimes to find that actually handmade from scratch sort of thing um but yeah shows have been 
definitely the best selling things where you're interacting with the public. Online, not as much. I think that takes a lot more effort to get things online. I have to photograph one single thing a couple of different ways, measure it, weigh it, um, and then upload all that onto a website, add descriptions. It's a lot of work. And then promote that I have things on my website. Yeah, especially if, you know, with the nature of your work and it being so unique, you're not going to make another mug that looks exactly like that. Or no. I'm not trying to pigeonhole just to mugs, but, you know, a work yeah. of a piece, a ceramic pottery, you're not going to make something that looks exactly like that. No, and even if it is, like, eight of the same type of bowl, they're all going to be a little bit nuanced, a little bit different. The glaze is going to look a little bit different. So it it's more beneficial for me to list them individually so people can, can look at it and get what they want. So they're not going to order something online and be like, well, that's not, like, the picture. You know, it's funny, we were had this, um, I guess, webinar, for lack of better words. Everyone's sick of that word at this point. (laughs) A few weeks ago on e-commerce, which, like we're talking about here, it's great to have stuff online because people can find it. What I've learned and what I've seen is you still have to have a presence, a physical presence somewhere, like whether it's going to shows, like connecting with people. It's definitely not just... I put my website up and I make sure all the SEO and everything's great and put it on Facebook and people just find it. I don't know that that really happens. Not very easily, no. (laughs) You'll have those 10, 15 people who are really excited, but that's not enough to support a business. Mm -hmm. And with shows, I'm sure you get to have a lot of conversations with customers, which has to be really beneficial for what you're doing. Yeah, definitely more engaging. Um, I did... Like one year was my first full year of business. I applied and did like as many shows as I could. So I made a lot of stuff. I did a lot of shows, traveled a lot, and I found out that that's not exactly what I want to do. It's exhausting. I feel like that's the hard part because you feel like you need to get out there all the time, especially when you don't have a brick and mortar location. But you get burnout too, and it's your time, and it's, you know, is this amount of sales worth being away from my family for the weekend, being exhausted, yeah. you know, when do you, so, <laughs> yeah, so you found some, well, last year there were probably no shows, right? There were a couple, maybe in the fall, but otherwise, no, everything else was absolutely canceled. Yeah, so it has to be, that had to have been really hard to work through and get, try and figure out how to get in front of people again. So what was, what was last year like for you trying to navigate all of that? Last year was first like, Oh no, what am I going to do? And then, all right, well, I guess we got to pivot to online. So I still, I had my website. I had that set up already. I just needed to make things and then go through that process of photographing everything and then getting it online. And then being more active on Facebook and Instagram to let people know that, hey, I'm still around. Yeah. So now, 2021, you're getting back out there with shows. I was looking at your website a few days ago, and you had a lot of a couple shows listed on there that you're going to be at, including, I think, Cannon Valley Wine and Art Festival. No, that one is as old. They're oh, actually, it's old. Okay. Yeah, they're actually not going to do that yet oh. this year. They were thinking about it, but they decided not to. Everyone's pretty sad. That would have been fun. But there is one that they're doing at 125 Live next Friday, June 4th. So that's nice, and everything can be outside, and I think that makes people feel more comfortable right it, now. It does, yeah. yeah. 
so you're looking into getting to more shows this year and probably have found maybe more of a balance between doing tons of shows and then not having any shows. Definitely more local shows. I, I do better more local, which is really encouraging with the Rochester community being close and still doing well. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, I feel like last year really showcased why it's so important to support local. Yeah. And that, you know, <laughs> people should look local or, you know, it's, it's a good idea <laughs> yeah. to look local. Um, and you can even find local people on Etsy, you know, at least and maybe then go to their website or go to wherever they're going to be or yeah. a show and actually meet them and talk with them and interact with them. So definitely, I feel we've gotten more of a push to that over the last year. We'll see if that continues, hopefully. I hope so. Hopefully it does. Yeah. <laughs> so I think um, I have different people in the art community on the podcast and have conversations with them frequently. And, you know, a lot of the conversations that we have, that I have with them talks about, you know, this um, desire to support more local and often a feeling that kind of the art community is hidden or not maybe well supported in the community. So do you kind of have thoughts around that, your take on the art community and local support and what could people do better to support and be mindful of local art? I think when I first started, because I'd been mostly isolated just being a stay-at-home mom, I wasn't really aware much of the art community, and it was, I think, a lot more hidden when I first started, like in around 2017. I definitely would say within the last couple of years, being a part of the art community, and then it just seems like there's more opportunities or spaces where art is promoted like Threshold Arts or the Rochester's Makers Market that got started during COVID. That was a really nice way to bring a lot of artists together to give uh, more recognition, more visibility. I feel like that has been really nice. Um, the Threshold Arts space right on Broadway, that has been really good for a lot of artists, being able to be that visible for people to be just be walking downtown and see us through the window, um, the way that they promoted us on uh, the social media. It's been a really nice revenue stream or just invisibility as well that I didn't have to pack up all my stuff and take it to an art show and sit there for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So things have changed a lot since 2017 when you started till now. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah. And more little pop-up art shows here in town. Before it was, I think, Art on the Avenue, and then that was kind of it. And now they're doing Papa at 125 Live. They're doing them at Blue Duck. There's the Christmas one at the Farmer's Market. There's just been a lot more opportunities for artists to get out there. Well, this podcast will be out before June 4th. So okay. hopefully people will listen in and, and check it out. So I don't look at Facebook very much, but what I have found useful is finding all these pop-up events and yeah. I've noticed there's been like a ton coming out almost one every week yes which is wonderful you know there's the one at gray duck yep. there's um you said the one at blue duck mm -hmm. all the ducks yeah I know. 125 live I did not know about I know there was one at um little thistle a few weeks ago or maybe yep, a couple there. of months ago okay yeah. yeah so I think it's great it shows the size of the community, you know, it gets yeah. people out, it's exciting, and it's 
what I love most about too is that it's organized by community. So it's like yeah. people saying, oh, I have space in my business. You need space. Come in and let's just have fun and yeah. create together and bring people together and support each other. So I think that's been a wonderful thing that I've seen happening over the past couple of years here. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, it benefits so many people. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> Including the businesses who are kind of volunteering or giving space for it to happen. Yep. So, yeah. So on June 4th, is that primarily art or is it a local maker festival or what? Um, I think it is a local maker festival okay. and then there's going to be music and then food trucks as well so very cool yeah very nice so you know for people listening how did you when you were first getting started how did you find all these avenues to put your art in how did you was it just conversations and networking and over time um like what advice would you have for people starting out with a product they don't have a brick and mortar maybe are selling on e-commerce how did you kind of get started to get into some of these different channels? Um, a lot of it started with people that I kind of already knew. Um, with Hillary and Dane Deedee, they're at the uh, Blossom Hill Orchard and Farm out in Preston. I had worked with her at Zest, and so they had some space in their shop, and she said, hey, can you put your pottery out here? And then someone saw my pottery out there and said, hey, we're doing a show. Um, it's been just opportunities because I've met people and then I just there was a lot of networking events going on before COVID right like probably one every week that to go and, and meet people I joined a networking group and then just like all the networking events I just started getting out there and talking to people and then they would send me messages and tell me about things that are going on and invite me to places and let me know that this is going on and just kind of worked from there and then I kind of figured out the system and where to look for shows and opportunities and those kinds of things yeah yeah I think that makes a lot of sense it's you said just starting to talk about it and then things just happen yeah showing up meeting people and just being interested in them and just hanging out and then they just start talking to you and they talk to someone else and eventually finds an opportunity for you so for people listening locally, where can they find your art in the community? Right now, Threshold Arts on Broadway. I have some things listed on my website, but for the warmer months, usually I'm doing shows, so I kind of keep that offline because it's hard to manage inventory online and in person. So 125 Live. And then from there... I don't know. We'll see what, what what comes up. People will message me and say, hey, you're going to show up here. But generally, I let people know on my Instagram and Facebook. Nice. So make sure you follow you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a Hilltop Clay for everything. You want to find me? Hilltop Clay. So, so as we talked about in the beginning, you know, one question I always like to ask people is kind of why you're drawn to doing this type of work. We said, you know, you had passion for art love doing pottery, so kind of got into that. But you could have just kept it at home. You know, you didn't have to put yourself out there, going out there to these shows and meeting people and and making this business happen. So why, why are you passionate about the pottery aspect? And then as well, what drives you to keep being an entrepreneur and, and getting out there? I kind of like the challenge of it. I like the challenge of, okay, I'm going to make these things 
and then how do I sell it? And then to be able to see that come as uh, being able to have a revenue and then to improve my um, equipment and be able to do things a little bit easier. I, and I just really like taking an ordinary thing and then figuring out how to just play with it and make it more beautiful. The way that you can play with glazes and you just, God, you just never know what it's going to come out like and every single piece is different and it's it's kind of a fascinating thing because you put it in that kiln and you think you've done the exact same thing over and over but you know at 2300 degrees there's there's no rules anymore <laughs> you just wait and let it cool down for another day and pull it out and go oh well that looks nice or no that one did not look nice <laughs> it's always exciting like is it is it going to be pretty is it going to be weird I don't know <laughs> so you were saying you have three daughters. Do they get involved with the artwork and the business at all? What do they What do they think about everything? Um, they think it's fun. That has a mom that does art. They'll tell me, "I told so and so at school today that you do art." I'm like, "That's really nice." Thank you. Um, they like to go to shows with me. They like to be there and help wrap up pottery or run the money or just hanging out with mom and setting up and taking down. Which is pretty impressive to sit there for six to eight hours and hang I out. I can't do that. Yeah, it's I a could long not time. do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise, they like to be in the studio and play with stuff and make things, um, and then leave a mess and then go <laughs> do something else <laughs> and leave you with the mess. <laughs> and like, we're working on it. Like, yeah. We're gonna play with clay. Mom does not want to clean up your mess. <laughs> That's so fun, though. I love that they go to shows with you and yeah. like enjoy being part of that process and making memories right it is yeah making memories that was my last question for you I'll ask you for any final thoughts and I think we already mentioned it but just to make sure where can people find you online um and in person so in person it'll be 125 live on Friday June 4th it's 2 p.m to 8 p.m so that's interesting that it's in the evening I've never done one like that um also Instagram at Hilltop Clay same for Facebook, and then my website is hilltopclay.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the conversation today. I really appreciate it, and yeah, learning more about you and, and your journey. Thank you. Thanks so much to Stephanie for stopping in to our co-working space last week and sharing her story. We have some of the links that Stephanie talked about for Hilltop Clay and her social media accounts in our show notes. So check them out, follow this local business and learn more about what she is doing and building here in the community. That's a wrap for us at the podcast today. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with us today, learning more about entrepreneurship and small business development taking place in Rochester, Minnesota. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to listen in so you never miss any of our new episodes coming out. We'd also really appreciate it if you rate the podcast if you found some value in this today so that others can learn more about entrepreneurship taking place in our community. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode.